Another thing that we get to be kind of challenged with is God's Word. And so we're in Ephesians chapter 6. And we want to share together, can you hear me now? And parents, we're going to read it. You know, we're going to start with children. And I'm sure that you wish that all your children are in here to hear this. But we're really going to end with a message about dads more than children. So you're in the right place and the kids are in the right place. But Paul is writing, he says, children, listen to what your parents tell you. And all the parents go, yeah. <coughs> this is only right. And the yeah. Honor your father and mother is the first commandment that has a promise attached to it. Namely, so you will live well and have a long life. And the parents are going, yeah, that's what I told them. Fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand. Lead them in the way of the master. We're going to really put our focus there. We're going to touch on children, but dads, get ready. Again, when I'm challenged by the Word of God, it is fair that I challenge you. This passage is is something that is within a flow that I want to remind us of. Uh, I I believe that Paul, as he's teaching these uh, husbands, wives, children, fathers, masters, slaves, I I really believe he's he's not teaching us out of his... Judaism. He's not teaching us out of being a rabbi. He's not teaching us from his traditional family values. He's teaching us from a kingdom perspective. And, and I just want to walk you down through something that I think is really important because I think it's, there's, some, there's, a, there's a back story to, to this instruction that I think is really important for us to understand. The hint of that is when I was exploring what this word submission meant. And, it, and this, is, this is the quote. The issue uh, with the word submission is keeping a divinely willed order. That was out of a word book that I have. The real issue is there needs, there's this divinely willed order that when, when we're following what God originally designed, things are better. And so I kind of interpreted that divinely willed order as the rule of God or the kingdom of God. So when God is in charge and he's ruling and reigning and he's saying to his creation, this is how I set it up. This is how I set it up to work. And so when he has instructions for a husband and a wife, he's introducing something that would be better than the Roman Empire or family values in Ephesus, or even family values today. It's, it's so beyond what we would do ourselves. It's something of the kingdom. The, or, the way God orders relationships is being revealed to us. And so as I started going down that path, then I realized, well, wow, his kingdom began to be expressed in the garden. So he's the king. He's establishing his kingdom And when you start in the garden, Genesis 1, Genesis 2, everything is good. Everything is right. There was only one thing that wasn't good. Adam was alone, so I'll create a woman. Now it's good. 
So it's his rule, his order. Things are being lived out well when God's in charge. And then John tells us that sin is the major disruption of God's order. And so when you have Genesis 3, you have a major disruption of how God orders life. And from Genesis 3 to the cross of Jesus, it's just the history of mankind, the order of God, the kingdom of God being disrupted by sin, rebellion. We're trying to do things our own way. But with the cross, with the coming of Jesus and Jesus' message, the kingdom is near, the kingdom's within reach. What he's saying is the rule of God, the order of God is now coming back within your reach. I want things to come back to its original design. And then I ran across, again in Acts, after his death, Jesus preached himself alive to them in many, he revealed himself to them in many different ways over a period of 40 days in face-to-face meetings. And he talked to them about things concerning the kingdom of God. The number one thing that Jesus left his followers with after his resurrection, before he was ascended, was about the kingdom of God. This is what the kingdom of God is. And then when you get to Acts 3, Peter is preaching a sermon, and he says, the time, for the time being, Jesus must remain out of sight in heaven until everything is restored to order again. Just the way God, through the preaching of the holy prophets of old, said it would be. And again, I just kind of, that caught my attention. What? what? See, we sometimes say, well, when Jesus, Jesus ascended into heaven, and then we got we to live till Jesus returns, and like, oh, wow. You know, we just got to stick it out. It's going to be hard, but we can, we can hang in there together. That's not what this is saying at all. It's saying that Jesus needed to go to heaven so that the restoration, and very literally, the restoration to perfection could happen, and then he would return. So what is God doing? He's restoring everything to its original design and improving it. So God is working that way now. It's not later. He'll finish it later, but it's begun now. And so it's with that thought that I'm thinking, wow, when you start getting into family relationships, marriage, what what is really on the heart of God, what he really wants us to learn is what's really best. How does marriage work best? How does family work best? How does commerce work best? He's actually restoring things to their mint condition. That's what he can do in us and through us. And then when you get to Revelation, the finale is death is gone for good, tears gone, crying gone, pain gone, all the first order of things gone, the enthroned continued. Look, I'm making everything new. And that new is, has begun. You are, if you are in Christ, you are new. So the new order of things has begun in everybody that's following Jesus. So we're a people that represent the new. 
And so then it would make sense that our marriages would represent something new. Our family would represent something new. How we operate in commerce, employment, would represent something new. He's restoring things to what they were, but improving them. Does that make sense in any way? I hope so. So restored relationships is what we're talking about. Marriage, instruction to husbands. Love your wife. Serve your wife. Message to the wife. Respect your husband. Voluntarily yield to your husband. Family, that's where we are today. Children, listen. Fathers, don't exasperate your kids. And then commerce is next week. So let's back up for a moment. Let's, let's figure out like kind of what happened with family. And we're going to start with husband and wife. So they're in the garden. And God took the man and he set him down in the garden of Eden to work the ground to keep it in order. And God commanded the man. So when God commanded the man, God spoke. God and Adam had a conversation. And God said, hey, Adam... Do you hear me? Adam, are you really listening? I know you're looking at me, Adam, but are you you listening? Because I got something really important to tell you. You can eat from any tree in the garden except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from it. The moment you eat from it, now are are you listening, Adam? The moment you eat from it, you're dead. I mean, something really bad is going to happen. Adam, are you listening to me? Adam, stop looking at all those trees around the garden. Give me your, do you, are you listening to me? And then God said, it's not good for a man to be alone. And Adam said, finally... I'm so frustrating naming all these animals. There's not a partner for me. So God said, well, I'll make you a helper, a companion. And when they, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of God strolling in the garden in the evening breeze, the man and his wife hid in the trees. They hid from God. Something happened. And if you keep following the story, God says, because you listened to your wife. You know, Adam, when I was talking to you, you weren't listening to me. You didn't really take it to heart. And then you listened to your wife rather than to me. And now you're really in trouble. So who's listening to who? In the ideal world, I mean, this is what I think God wanted. God speaks to Adam. And then Adam speaks to Eve. And then in the ideal world, both of them listen. They don't just hear, they really listen. And and the fruit of listening is they actually obey. They actually do what God tells them to do rather than disobey what God says. And in that, they're really honoring. They're honoring the word of God. They're honoring their father. And so the world, as God originally created it, if this is the path we would have gone, would have stayed intact. And God would have continued in fellowship with Adam and Eve. Well, obviously that's not the way it went. 
So how did it go? Well, Eve listened to the incarnation of evil, a serpent. And also, as you, as you go back, I'm encouraging to kind of go back and read that story, she also kind of listens to herself. Because the serpent will say, yeah, well, you know, that, that fruit really is good. She says, you know, that fruit really looks good. And then the serpent says, well, you know, God really didn't say. She said, well, you know, God really didn't say that. So you kind of have this conversation within her. So she's not listening to God. She's not listening to Adam. She's listening to the deceiver. And she's listening to herself. And then somehow she goes to Adam and she says, hey, hey, this, you know, I think we've been duped. This stuff is really, you know, this would be good for us to eat this. And what did Adam do? He listened to Eve. And he, somehow he had to ignore God. Because what she was saying was different than what God said, right? And so then we have this conversation with God. And immediately Adam says, well, it's your fault, God. You, you, you gave me this woman. And then there was an impact on the world. The world, as it was originally designed, collapsed. <coughs> Other voices begin to compete with God's voice. And relationships were broken, strained, and within the first family, the first brothers, one of them murders the other. So the family's broken from the get-go in the story of the Bible. So what's the way back? What's the way back for the family? It starts with listening. Let's listen to Jesus. And that's just not a message to children, like literally your kids. It's all of us as children of God. We need to listen. Hey, if you're a dad, listen to Jesus. If you're a mom, listen to Jesus. If you're a kid, listen to Jesus. All of us need to follow Jesus. All of us need to listen to him. Then we need to start listening to each other. Husband, yes, listen to your wife. Susan's not in here. She has been telling me, I know you're hearing me, but you're not listening to me. I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of going downhill here, so y'all need to really help me. Pray for me. I've got to convince her that I'm really listening. And wife, you've got to listen to your husband. Kids, need to listen to their parents. Connor, you're about the only one in here. Poor soul that you are. Listen. And when it comes to honoring your father and your mother, I know we all want to... Well, it just is that simple. The children who listen to their parents honor their parents. That's what it means. It's really that... It's not any more complicated than that. Listen. And obviously what listening means is when you listen, it shows up in that you actually do what a parent has asked you to do. What's behind obedience? I know a lot of your versions say obedience. Really, the word is literally listen. It starts with listening. The benefits of listening... When we're honoring father and mother by listening, I mean, look what it says. You'll live well. You'll prosper in life. 
and you'll also live a long life. It's, it was, it's a promise made in the Old Testament that's being repeated in the New Testament. There's not a lot of them like that. Who doesn't want to live well and live long? Ron's the only person I know that wants to live short. <laughs> and I keep trying to convince him, no. You know, I want you around for a long time. You're my friend. We've got lots to do together. We want to live long. And as we live long, we want to live well. So, Dad, when it comes to the children on the planet living well and living long, Dad, every dad, please stand up. <coughs> Megan, you're not a dad. Sit down. You, just, you got a little confused there. I'm glad that you would support your dad that much, but... Megan, were you listening? Hey, guys. You are absolutely crucial right now. Amen. Steve, are you listening? What are you doing looking over there? <laughs> <laughs> Does Marianne know that? Yeah. Okay, selective hearing. You know, Ron, you probably know this better than anybody. This is one of the themes of your life. Dads, we have got to do something better than what we are. Dads are absolutely crucial. Have a seat. This is why. We, our, our job as dads is to bring our children up in the way of the master. We're, we're to cherish our children. And in cherishing our children, we are to nourish our children. We're to take our kids by the hand. And the way, just what that evoked in me is, as a dad, I need, I need to be holding Jesus' hand. And you've got to understand, in the Middle East, it is just fine for two men to walk down the street holding hands. Jesus was very much a Middle Easterner. So Jesus would have been an affectionate man. We're not, that's okay. But because I've been there, and I like it, I'm holding Jesus' hand. And as I'm holding his hand and I'm strolling along through life, then I'm reaching out and grabbing my kid's hand. It says, I'm holding on to Jesus and I'm holding on to you and we're going together. Dad, if you're not walking with Jesus, your kids won't. Amen. It will not happen. And then finding out the just right blend of correction and instruction for each of your children. I wish kids were cookie-cutter kids, but they're not. And so every dad has to figure out what works with each of my children. And when you keep adding children, like Ron keeps adding children, it gets more complicated. You know, my three have been easier to figure out the right mix than his four. You know? 
The more you keep adding them, the more difficult. And the more we tend to, if we want our families to keep getting bigger, the more we'll tend to want to be cookie cutter. And that's, it doesn't work. Every dad, by holding on to Jesus, by finding out the wisdom of God, needs to figure out what is the correct blend of correction and instruction for my children. The reason for that is because when kids are exasperated by their dads, the result is disastrous. So, Dad, do you want to enrage your kids? Here's some easy steps to enrage your kids. Withhold protection and affection from your kids. Now, one of the great ways you can do that, just don't be available to your kids. Just kind of be emotionally effaced. Don't get involved with them. Just kind of check out of their life. And you'll leave them totally unprotected. And they'll feel like they're not loved. Just do that. You will enrage your kid. Another way to do it, just resist relationship with Jesus. You know, just, just do the church thing. You know, just show up on Sundays, but don't live in a relationship with Jesus. Just kind of live the church thing. Avoid Jesus. You will, you will surely enrage your kid. Uh, give too much correction and instruction. I mean, just yang, 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 yang. Just do just too much of that. Not finding the right mix for that kid, you will, you will enrage your kid. The other is the opposite of that. Give too little correction and too, too little instruction. Just like let your kids figure it out. I mean, if it wouldn't have been for a friend of a friend, several things in my life wouldn't have been, I've had to figure it out myself. It's the Goldilocks story. Find out. Too little, too much, just right. And dad, you got to figure it out. So here's the promise. If you enrage your kids, if you want to go down this path, enraged kids are sure to fail in their short and miserable lives. And if you haven't noticed, that's a lot of people in your neighborhood. When are dads going to stand up and do what dads need to do? Well, we don't want to go, we don't want to go with enraging the kids, right? So let's go the positive. Okay, here we go. Hey, dads, walk with Jesus. Walking with Jesus means have a relationship with Jesus. I mean, develop a relationship with Jesus where Jesus truly is your best friend. And you can't develop a relationship with Jesus if you don't spend any time with Jesus. So figure out in your busy schedule, like everybody else's busy schedule, when you're going to spend time with Jesus. If you don't know where to go, then read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Start over keep reading it. 
and just say, you know, Jesus, I want to be one of your, I want to follow you, so I'm just going to kind of read the story and I'm going to kind of just do what they did. Live in a relationship with Jesus. And then as Jesus cherishes and nourishes you, cherish and nourish your kids. If you're not receiving from Jesus, you can't give. So let him cherish you. I mean, Jesus is going to tell you, I love you. Again, he's Middle Eastern. You don't have any problem with that. He's affectionate. He can kiss you. He, I mean, that, he doesn't have a problem with that. He just kind of like offends our Western culture. It's okay. Let him love you. And let him nourish you. Oh, man, this is real. You know, you said this was real life, and I'm feeling that. Then give that away to your kids. And then as Jesus corrects and instructs you, we'll correct and instruct your kids. Everything we need as a father we can learn from Jesus. Receive it from him, give it away to your kids. And then listen. Listen to the Heavenly Father. Honor your Father in heaven. And you know, if, as we do that, then we're going to live well in relationship. That would include live well in relationship with our kids. does not mean things won't be rocky at times. And then we can live long on the earth. I've already told you, I want to live a long time. I don't want Jesus to come back today. I have not invested the talents he's given me well. And I, so I need some more time for dividends to build up. I don't think the church has invested their talents well. So I don't think it's going to be a really happy day when Jesus returns if he came today. We got a lot to do, and this would be a huge area. The family's falling apart all around us. And, and may I just kind of make the point again? Every dad stand up. Gentlemen, by walking with Jesus... Being cherished and nourished by Jesus and turning it around and giving it to your kids and then your kids' friends. By you being corrected and instructed by Jesus and turning around and giving that correction and instruction to your kids and their friends, we are part of the solution. So I just would like for us as a community to rally around each of us as dads we got a big job to do. Things have not been going well in family for quite a while. And so I'm interested in us being a community of men that begin to see things turned around. So may I invite others, just as you know these guys, as you love these guys, just to gather around them, and I'd like to be included because I, you know, I need as much prayer as anybody else. And can we just kind of pray that God would encourage and equip and bless every dad here to do exactly what we've talked about? Okay. Ready? Let's go. Well, thank you for our time together. We'll finish up as you continue to pray. Just remember that, that 
if we're really listening, now we get to put it to work. We actually get to do what we just talked about. So may we do it. In Jesus' name, see you later. Thank you.